0: Hello and welcome back to the Nutanix Community Podcast. I'm Angelo Luciani and this is episode 49. Here we go. Hello everyone. This week Dwayne chats with Case Baggerman about Nutanix vGPU with AHV. It's a great technical discussion, and you might have to listen to it more than once. But hey, that's a good thing. Let's join the conversation.
1: Strangers call him Keys. His friends call him Case. We have Case Beggerman, Citrix CTP, CTP, with us today to talk all the things vGPU.
2: Hey, Case, how's it going? Hey, Dwayne. Um, it's going well. Thank you. Thank you very much for, uh, for asking. How about yourself, man? pretty good yeah just
1: uh going through the motions here on this side been following along with your own podcast that you have going um we released 5.5 oh i don't know seems like it's been at least a month or more now i guess just after christmas uh we had brought up vgpu and wanted to have you on since you're kind of the the fastest gun on the Slack channels when it comes to VDI. And I guess it, that would include uh, GPU as well.
2: Yeah, it's, it's kind of natural to include GPU, especially with um, like the newer releases of the Microsoft operating systems, looking at Windows 10, uh, Server 2016, um, and the newer Office versions. Um, you know, even browsers uh, are. are um, getting the benefit of, of adding a GPU in your virtual desktop. So with me in that end uh, user computing space, um, having that additional um, option to add GPUs to your EEC environment is, is a big thing. And I'm, I'm totally excited that we, uh, that we got it working for AHV as well. Um, long-term uh, item on my wish list. Uh, and I know that there has been a lot of mutual engineering going back and forth between NVIDIA and and Nutanix to uh, to make this work. So really happy with uh, with the result. And uh, I can't uh, say this enough, or can't emphasize this enough, that um, you know our engineering teams from both NVIDIA and and Nutanix did a great job in implementing this. So even
1: even I guess taking a step back, we AHV did have. GPU before, but it was just pass through, correct?
2: Right, right. So, um, looking at the way that you can um, carve up or use the GPUs, it's basically two uh, major ways from an EUC perspective. Either you do GPU pass through, which means that um, if you look at the the GPU architecture, uh, the boards that we um, support are NVIDIA grid cards. Uh, and every single grid card that we support have has multiple GPU cores. So if you look at the, um, let's say the M10, which is kind of like the, the entry-level model that we support, um, a single board has four GPUs on that board. So if we were looking at GPU pass-through, that means that we can assign one of those GPUs to a single VM. So a single board would have a maximum of four VMs being supported on the, on that board because it has four cores so there's a one-to- run relationship between the cores on the board and the VMs that are actually using that board um, it can uh, use the whole core the whole capacity of that um, of that GPU um, but obviously because it's assigned to a VM uh, Nvidia can't actually do a lot of um, uh, resource control inside that VM. So that means that basically when you do that, um, you'd see that uh, the, 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 the most um, common use case of GPU pass-through is, tr- GPU pass-through is for RDSH workloads uh, like RDS or ZenApp or Horizon Zen View or RDSH. Um, with the release of AHV 5.5 or AOS 5.5 and the, and the AHV version that uh, came with it, um, we also support uh, grid vGPU, and that's a a, a whole different ballgame. So what we're doing there is uh, we're leveraging NVIDIA NVIDIA technologies to actually have a better segmentation of the resources of the card. So if we just uh, take a step back and say and look at the like the definition or the feature overview of uh, of a vGPU, um, basically a vGPU. Um, has a dedicated fraction of the physical GPU video RAM. Um, so the, um, there's a core, a GPU, and each port has a s- specific set of video RAM. Um, and with VGPU, you can get a dedicated fraction of that video RAM. So one gig or two gig or, or even bigger or smaller. Um, and the VGPU instance gets to utilize all the GPU processing score uh, processing cores in a time-slicing manner, Um, just like you know with uh, traditional virtualization and CPUs. So let's say uh, VGPU instance A will run for 50 milliseconds, and then VGPU instance B will run for 50 milliseconds. So it's a time-slicing manner. Um, Obviously, if you do VGPU, the guest OS can directly access um, its portion of the video RAM that you assign in a specific profile. Uh, at all times. And um, NVIDIA supports uh, a fixed set of vGPU combinations for each physical GPU. So let's say if you look at the um, the M10 or the M60 again, um, they've got a, a concept called profiles. And within the profile, um, a specific set of features is defined. So that could give you um, the, um, the number of display hats on the vGPU, I'm sorry. That's based on the licensing, but uh, it will give you a certain amount of video RAM that you can assign to that to that single VM. Um, so that's that's what we support now. With so that gives us a lot more flexibility. If you look at um, end user computing in in in, um, in in this space, so that will allow you to kind of get the right level of VGPU video RAM uh, for each use case for each user. And the way that we um, that we implemented this um, is even better because uh, the way that we show this back to our end users or your admins um, gives you the uh, within Prism gives you the option to actually directly right size your environment based on uh, on GPU.
1: So how how does Dwayne get the best
2: GPU profile? That's really what I want the best. (laughs) All I right, mean. so the, the best thing to um, to get the best GPU profile. So the best isn't always the biggest. That's one thing that what? I know. Uh, I, 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 I don't believe it. I don't believe so, it. Oh, so the, 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 the best thing you can do is test it. I, I can't emphasize this enough. So if you go to implement vGPU in your environment, Make sure you have the proper test tools. Make sure that you know your end users. Make sure that maybe you can uh, sit down with that end user and and go through their um, like their main process in their line of business app. Uh, just throwing uh, GPU profiles at a specific use case typically doesn't really work out. Uh, and we all know that um, adding GPU is isn't it, in, uh, it it is an additional investment and it will pay back but only if you implement it properly. And that, uh, that means that you need to take the time um, to look at your application landscape, the way your users are using um, their applications or their desktops, um, and the way that you want it to uh, be implemented.
1: So, so far, I'd like to summarize. There's vGPU. It can kind of split up the physical GPUs up and assign them to multiple VMs. I want to do this because it helps performance. Does it also, and then it it could increase density?
2: Yeah. So, um, the the benefit that you will have um, with VGPU over GPU pass through is that you have more control over the video video buffer that you're assigning to a specific use case. So, um, that kind of helps you get more uh, reassurance in terms of uh, user predictability or user experience predictability um, compared to uh, GPU password where the GPU is assigned to a VM. And let's say that three of us are using that VM and I, I'm launching a GPU intensive app, I can take 90% of the capacity of that uh, GPU password resource where you guys are stuck, which is 10% between the two of you. Um, if we divide that up into uh, three um, equal pieces, then at least our user experience will always be the same. So it's, it's much more predictable from, from that perspective. Um, VGPU or adding GPU to your environment, uh, depending on your configuration, could increase the density because GPU is meant to be um, an offloading mechanism. So where you don't have GPUs in your st- system, That means that your CPU will have to do the rendering. All the calculations has to flow through uh, your CPU um, set. And adding that GPU makes that uh, there's offloading to the GPU. So look at um, Office, Office 2013 and up. um, One of the the biggest um, things that impact that Office. Yes.
1: Office doesn't even work on my physical laptop, so.
2: <laughs> right, but um, I just heard that your physical laptop might um, might be better off with uh, good scrubbing and, and cleaning <laughs> because, you know, crumbs in your keyboard isn't the way uh, forward with that, with, with that laptop. But having Office on the system, uh, like Office 2013 and up, we saw a big density dip with customers moving from Office 2010 to Office 2013. One of the reasons behind that was because Office 2013 gave us the option to do uh, offloading to a GPU hardware acceleration. Um, So that dip could kind of you could uh, prevent that a little bit by disabling hardware acceleration, um, so it would hit the CPU faster and you leverage uh, the CPU just a little bit more. But that's just Office, and Office is, as far as I can tell. One of the key applications in any EUC environment, I've seen um, um, just a handful of environments that didn't include Office. Um, so, Office is key. Browsers are key as well. Um, looking at IE, looking at Chrome, Firefox, wow. all major browsers will have hardware acceleration or hardware um, yeah hardware acceleration where they can offload into a GPU. So, if you take away the CPU rendering and let that rendering be done by a GPU, you would see that the CPU has a little bit more headroom, a little bit more headspace to actually serve CPU cycles to the VM um, instead of using the CPU for GPU rendering.
1: My guess would be that for the use cases that don't have Office, they're probably some point-of-sale system that could probably be best served with Zen app or RDSH anyway but
2: exactly um, and I'm, I'm you know generalizing their simplistic um, line of business applications um, sometimes you see in a very specific engineering uh, environments where they um, let, let's say they use Linux desktops. they and even then a GPU would be uh, would be useful because in a lot of those engineering um environments a GPU is is useful because they'll do a lot of uh, number crunching there so um, you know uh, but office in general is just one of those key applications and especially looking at you know 2016 um, and it uh, Microsoft just announced that uh, the new office version will only run on Windows 10 so office 2019 will only run on Windows 10 which means that that combination of Windows 10 and office 2019 uh, probably will add a, a few more percentage on the CPU usage unless you add a GPU to do some offloading there. So, we've been doing this for ages right now. The only thing that we're doing is we're maximizing user experience by by adding more eye candy, by adding more options. And with, with functionality, there comes a trade off in terms of what we as IT need to do to actually. Uh, get that performance back on track to where they uh, where we expect it to be, and that's kind of the um, um, yeah.
1: There's the, not there's not too many people that would be very happy with you know if you told them this app only runs five five twelve k, and like you <laughs> could imagine the user experience. Yes, it wouldn't take up many resources, but it, yeah, it'd probably be a real pain in the
2: wazoo to run. And, the- exactly, and it's it's kind of. You know, people's expectations are set by, by consumer IT as well. So, um, you know, take your iPad, take your whatever uh, Samsung tablet, take your laptop. Um, current systems all have SSDs, um, fast CPUs. They probably have a GPU in there somewhere. Um, so that's kind of the user experience people get are getting from home. Uh, and that's what they want to see translated into corp- corporate IT systems as well. They don't want to go, hey, my home PC that costs 300 bucks uh, runs this app perfectly, but that desktop that you're providing me um, runs like, a you know, doesn't really run because you're, uh, you're not spending the money on it or it's too, too hard for you. That's not, um, you know, we're in this phase where um, people are demanding more from an IT perspective. So having GPU in your back pocket is a great thing to do, and especially if you can do it with AHV. Because it's a cost-efficient solution as well.
1: What? So, what's inside of, of Prism? Is there anything that we do to help manage the, the GPU or make that that life easier?
2: Yeah. So, looking from a let, let's um, l- look at it from a first of all from a deployment perspective. So, deploying a GPU in AHV is pretty straightforward. So typically, if you look at um, a GPU architecture, you'll have a GPU manager that lives inside a host, a hypervisor. And then you'll have a little bit of software that runs inside the guest OS. And uh, with um, Grid.2, 2.0, you'll have a licensing server as well. So these are like the main components of any grid architecture. So installing the GPU manager, um, if you look at the, Current um, NVIDIA currently supports three hypervisors for NVIDIA GRID. Um, one is XenServer, the other one is vSphere, and now there is an addition to, uh, to this with uh, with AHV as well. Um, the first two are relatively painful to install that GPU manager. Um, it's a lot of going back and forth, install, uninstalling VIPs, installing VIPs, uploading the file, et cetera, et cetera, lots of reboots, a um, lot of settings you have to do with inside the hypervisor to make it work. Um, if you look at the deployment with AHV, we deploy a helper script on every CVM, every controller VM that runs on, uh, on our system. Um, there's a driver bundle, an RPM file that you can download from the NVIDIA website. Um, Put it a, in a spot that the CVM can reach, either local or a, or a, uh, like on a web server. Call out the helper script, um, call out the URL, and press Enter. Next thing that will happen is the script will go in, through every single node in your cluster and see which nodes will have a GPU. And if there's a GPU at it, it will install the drivers for you. So a lot of that stuff like to get that running is already automated so that's uh
1: you know if you have four 20 nodes there's only one command you need to run to install it
2: exactly yeah and it it just goes through all the nodes that you have and it will only install the drivers on the node that actually have a gpu so where it makes sense to do that um and it's a kind of an error check as well because um, if you look at the, the M10, M60s, uh, especially the M60 needs a, a, an additional power cable. And sometimes um, people forget to hook that up. So if you run the script and the script doesn't um, can't find the GPU, that's kind of a reminder that you need to check that power cable to make sure that it's, uh, that it's um, on the board and in the motherboard as well. So it, it gets powered on. So, um, a simplistic like way a of yeah, <laughs> yeah. A, the, uh, we try to make it as as foolproof as possible. So, um, you know, looking from a, from a uh, from an operational perspective, what we're doing um, with Prism is first of all, adding a GPU to a VM is greatly simplified. So, I've been um I've been working with our uh, UX designers to uh, to see how we could simplify that. Um, and I, I did it in vSphere. I recorded the number of steps, and uh, I did the same thing. Um, you know, we we, did, we worked it out with AHV, and in AHV, it's a factor of six times less clicks than it is in uh, in ESX. So configuring uh, configuring um, a GPU in AHV um, reduces the number of clicks uh, compared to ESX with uh, with six times. So simplified GPU deployment, and uh, from a monitoring perspective, because that's kind of where we're, you know, I feel comfortable with with the solution that we have. Um, you can look at the GPU resource usage from a physical card perspective. So what we do is we display frame buffer and GPU cycles, um, and we might add a, a few more in the in the in the future, but. With this first release, it's frame buffer and, and GPU cycles on the physical card. We can um, have a single node and show that GPU uh, usage um, and the frame buffer usage. Or if you go to uh, Prism Central, we can ha- uh, show that GPU usage across multiple clusters, across multiple nodes, across multiple cards. And the great thing about that overview is that it gives you one single overview. Uh, for your entire environment, but it's so, it will also show you where there's some headroom and where the GPUs are really crammed with uh, with users. So you can, in in one overview, you can see that node A in cluster B has 40% capacity left, whereas node D in in cluster X uh, has 20% capacity left. So you can move resources around from cluster to cluster based on that overview so that kind of helps you maximizing the investment that you did in gpus whereas if you don't have prism if you don't have ehv then it's a lot of you know manual kind of steps to figure out how busy the gpus are if you're utilizing them the way that you should be Um, so prism and and prism central really are a, a great the way that we implemented it um I think is really good to uh, to maximize that investment in in your GPUs.
1: do you I, one question that's probably good for listeners too, and even for myself to wrap my head around do we would we be recommending separate clusters like have a all GPU cluster or I already I've already bought you know five nodes for my Bdi environment. I just mm-hmm. want to add two GPU nodes. Should I throw them into there? or is it kind but, of like it depends?
2: Um it's one of these kind of de- it depends uh, questions. From a technology perspective, HV has the logic to see that we're provisioning a, G- uh, a VM with a GPU, so we'll only uh, provision the VM on that GPU node. So there's a lot of intelligence in that um, scheduling of the of creation of that VM that will actually put that will actually put the VM on a GPU enabled node. So that kind of Helps you putting the VMs on the right place. Um, That being said, you can, uh, let's say that we're using a specific profile, that profile has a maximum of 32 VMs, and I provision 34 VMs. Um, In Citrix and desktop, there's no notion of the fact that there're only there's only one board in that machine that I'm provisioning to so it can only go to 32 so we'll spin up 32 VMs or 34 VMs because I I'm telling studio to do that if I try to boot 34 VMs then uh, in the end two VMs won't boot because the the profile uh, the profiles are set to a maximum so if I select that 1 gig profile then I can get a maximum of 32 VMs. That uh, that's not our limitation. That's a limitation uh, of the NVIDIA profile that we select. Um, so, two VMs out of that uh, 34 um, won't won't boot, whereas the other 32 will boot. So, um, again, it's uh, it's this kind of uh, it depends answer, but. HV makes it easier to uh, to have a mix and uh, mix and match within your cluster because it's intelligent enough to put the vGPU enabled VMs on a cluster or on a node that actually has a GPU.
1: We need need some way of like telling a VM that it's like Angelo's desktop and then boot that one last. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Thank you, thanks
1: a lot for that. <laughs> yeah. Um, I have a I have a feeling we won't hear the last of of case BGPU, um, in vGPU the, <laughs> in the, the years to head. But um, why don't you you plug your your podcast and then let us know any other GPU resources that that people can track down.
2: All right. So um, one of the great resources that that I, I contribute contribute to. Is Frontline Cheddar, so it's uh, FrontlineChatter.com. com. I do that with Andrew Morgan. Um, he's a staff engineer at the Office of the CTO of VMware. Um, and Jerrin Gibson. Jerry um, is uh, a Nutanix technology um, champion. He's also a Citrix technology professional, and um, you know both of them operate in the in the EUC space. Uh, and we get guests from, from a lot of vendors or people that we find interesting to come on our podcast. Um, another uh, great resource from that perspective is uh, the NVIDIA website itself. It has a community, a lot of forums there that uh, people uh, are contributing to. And um, if you go search on Twitter, um, NVIDIA has their own um, community kind of uh, recognition, which are the... Um, NVIDIA Grid Community Advisors. Um, There are 25, uh, and I was just recently selected as one of them. Um, Oh, congratulations. um, Thank you, thank you. So um, they get to spend time with uh, NVIDIA PMs, talk about strategy, about the way forward, uh, and a lot of them are really, really clever and smart and and do um, insane, crazy things like Benny Trich, uh, Sean Bass, uh, with their protocol comparisons um, They uh, if, you, if you haven't seen them yet um, Go on YouTube find their sessions because their sessions are really really good um, they, they have an extensive test lab where they do all kind of tests including GPUs
1: No, I'm I've, I've sat in one and it's pretty impressive. I don't know how many hours they spend on their own time, but it, uh, it'd be quite a bit um, well, thanks for for coming on the show today Well, uh, I think it'll be probably a very popular download. So thanks again, um, and thanks for everyone for listening. Have a good one.
0: Thanks for joining us today. Be sure to check out the Nutanix online community at next.nutanix.com. If you want to connect with other IT pros in your local area, attend one of our Nutanix user groups, and you can find more information on that on next.nutanix.com. You can also reach out to me on Twitter, at Angelo Luciani, And as always, consider sharing this podcast with a friend. Subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or any podcast platform. From the team here at Nutanix, as always, have a great week.